Hey, just quickly before we get started, we have a website called constructionsecrets.io. It's our website where we've got free training, free videos, free everything that you need to become a contractually savvy construction company. So basically sign better contracts with lower risk and that you've got more of a chance of making more profit on your, on your projects um, and ultimately stay in business over the long term. So go to constructionsecrets.io, consume all of that stuff and be a better construction company. And now let's get on the show. Hey, Construction Legends. So this is episode two of an interview I did with Michelle Searson from the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. She's a lawyer. She understands all these contractual nuances as well. So we had an absolutely great conversation I think you're going to be able to learn from. We talk about advice for construction subcontractors, the systemic problem with tier one contractors, general contractors, a, a trick for submitting contractual notices. And if you can interpret construction drawings, you can interpret construction contracts or in fact, you need to. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kian Brennan. I'm CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solutions. The reason we make these videos and the podcasts and all the short form content that we have on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter is because there's so many construction companies going out of business when they don't need to needlessly so. And just by listening to the channel, you're going to upskill yourself, get more educated in contractual stuff and run a better construction company. And yeah, no, it's, um, it's exactly what I've been seeing as well. And what you say is true when you're working for, well, I was working for tier two builders, so I wasn't working for tier ones. And usually those guys are even more scrappy and it's bush lawyering because they don't have closeout teams and things like that. What they have is people who have to cover up their mistakes at the end. So <laughs> and true. So yeah. True. So one of the things I used to do at the very start of the job and I learned, I learned, construction client side as well. So when I first started in the industry, I was client side. And so I learned really early the way to keep the client feeling safe was to be consistent and predictable. And so at the start of every job, I would send every principal we had at the very start of the job, all of our template notices and go, these are the ones we're going to be using the job. Can you let me know if there's anything you want me to add? And so before you even give one, they've seen them. And then mm, the very first really one nice. you give it's is good. always going to be the delay to commencement because everybody's going to still be talking about the contract. And if you can get one through the door that's not controversial and mm -hmm. talking common sense to these guys, it's really difficult for them to look you in the eye at the start of the job and say, you're not entitled to an EOT, but we're also not ready for you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very smart. Um, a little trick that you can uh, that we try to use is that, do you know the way everyone submits technical documents via doc control? Mm -hmm. Right. So what you can set up is let's just say we got Searson, Searson Construction, right? Um, you can set up uh, contracts at Searson Construction or doc or doc whatever, and submit your notices via that way, yeah. right? And you can CC the PM on, but it doesn't go directly to him. It's procedural, and, and if he kicks up about it, you're just like, oh well, the contract says it. We got it. Like, just like our technical documents, we have to submit it. Yeah. And the other the other little trick is don't make it from Kean to Michelle right? Because that's personal. Make it like a notice, right? Like a memo, right? And it's just a memo that we've submitted and it goes in that way. And that way it's not like, you know, confrontational. You, you're you yeah. not, yeah, you know, it's not like, oh, why are you doing this? It's just, oh, that's just what you asked us to do. And we're doing it because we're professional yeah. and, you know, that that's it. And then when you got that, it's good. And then you, you said the little shit test, which I really liked, is that this becomes a shit test because on that first delay that you submitted, all of a sudden you're like, hmm, they didn't approve that or they kicked up stink about that, which is telling me what's going to happen. So if they ask me to do additional work, I've got to think to myself, hmm, maybe I should wait until the variation is approved before I start working because 
they may not approve it yeah. quickly in which case i'm i'm financing it for them yeah. um, essentially yeah exactly oh we could talk for hours and hours about all of this stuff it's so good to have a, a nerd that has sort of lived the same path as me um i'm interested to know obviously there must have been something was it was it you having to be the person to short pay subbies that stirred something in your heart to go no i'm going to start this type of business is that how it was for you yeah for sure yeah absolutely there was there was two things it was um well i was it's just a, the, the court like it was it was that for sure and then i was working as a as a director in a, in a kind of a cost and contract management consultancy and i didn't enjoy the way that they helped these guys Right. Because it was almost like it didn't, um, it, you know, their their goal, the way they wanted to do business. Right. And we, we'd sit in a management meeting and they'd say, I want you to you know, go in there and I want you to land and expand. Right. Go in there, get one person in there, get another person in there. And that's how you made money. Right. Yeah. And that's how they make money. And it was never we never talked about how do we save the money? How do we stop them? And I'm just like, oh, this, this is just not for me anymore. I just. It's just, you know, this the consulting world that like in that large organization. I was like, it's not, it's just, it's all about making commissions, getting more people in there. It's not about helping the actual people. And it was that, that was, those two things combined was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Yeah, that's so great. Um, I had some similar experiences where I had to short pay people, um, but I was lucky in the sense that when I went build aside from client side, I worked with a really ethical construction team for a building company and the um the construction manager there was a British guy and he used to just say to me like unlet scope is going to unlet scope and programming issues will be the two things that will bleed your contract you need to know enough about this guy's scope of work to sit down and have a proper post tender meeting and a lot of the negotiation skills that I use now with builders I learned from watching this one particular guy because he was so good at getting the subbies in and going right so I noticed this on the drawings. What do you think we should do about this? And just the way that he approached it, he was completely mm. vetting these people to see if they could actually build what they needed to build. But he wasn't talking about contractual things. He's talking about, you know, um, where are you going to put your guys? We've got a remote job. Do you have accommodation? Have you made any inquiries about it? We've been talking to this person. Oh, did you talk to that person? Here's a number for someone to talk to this person. And it was all just talking in terms of when the job is built, all of these arrangements will be in place. But um, it was so well done. and. I got so much satisfaction out of those jobs. We built some really profitable jobs. And at the end of it, I was part of this group called Future Leaders in Toowoomba. Um, and I was pretty young. I made this presentation and got all the subbies to come to the building that we built for Hastings Steering on Harrington Road in Toowoomba. All the subbies turned up and then all these lawyers and accountants, everyone from the Future Leaders clicky group of consultants all came in this room. And I sort of got up on stage in front of everyone and I showed them this slideshow of all of the workmanship features in the building. And one of them in particular, we have this 16 and a half metre long wall and it's like 10 and a half metres high or something like that. I can't remember now, it was about 10 years ago. And the two boys that actually built the wall were 15 years old with their dad, who was about 60 something. And it was like stinking hot summer, the throwing blocks up. We, I was so impressed. And the foreman had said to me at the end of this job, do you realise that this entire wall, he said the surveyor came along, is less than 10 mil from one end to the other. That's how good they have done this wall. And so I was putting up these pictures to these lawyers and accountants in this future leaders thing, thinking like, I need to explain to them how difficult 
this stuff is that these people are actually building with their hands mm -hmm. and how we just take for granted that the tradespeople are sort of the blue collar workers and we're the slick ones with the, you know, the lawyer and accounting degrees and come to these future leader events are sort of showing them all up, you know, like you guys think you're good at your words and your numbers, check this out. You really think you could lift as many blocks. And it was so satisfying. Um, same building company went to work out of the city office and jobs in financial crisis everywhere and completely different ethical way of running things. But one thing I learned very quickly is when there's a finite amount of money, there's a decision tree and it's got nothing to do with wanting to rip people off. It's about what's there to be paid 100%. and just batting people back, batting people back. And that was one of the most soul-destroying things for me. I had subbies who I had really good relationships from the regional office who I'd brought down to work on my city jobs who got ripped off lots and lots of money on technical liquidated damages, things like mm. that. And when you're in a position where you have a boss and you have loyalty to a company that has given you opportunities, I know that company helped me study, things like that. And then suddenly you're in this position where you can see that these people have family businesses, but your boss has also got a family business as well. Mm. These staffers are put in this position where they have to decide, am I going to go down with the ship and be the loyal soldier because that's where my ethics lie? Or am I going to jump ship and try and help some of these subbies or just get the hell out of here and mm. go and find a happier place to work? That was the real catalyst for me. And then I finished working uh, for builders when I finished my law degree went to work for a law firm and I was I was so excited to see these tradies come in because I had gone from driving my ute to site at 6am and my phone starts ringing at 6am working on site all day and then literally on the Friday I finished and on the Monday I started in this big tower in the city in a room with no windows or natural light with a computer and a phone that nobody called and I was just like where's my people this is insane and when they would turn up they were in so much trouble. It was like, hey, so if you want to have this consultation, you're going to have to put this much money in the trust account. It can be next Friday. So they're like putting thousands of dollars in the trust account and waiting till next Friday to get this consult. The consult's all bad news. You've got two options, court or adjudication, you know, just horrible, horrible stuff. And in almost every single situation, I could reverse engineer and pinpoint the email they should have sent or the notice mm. they should have given. And it was one piece of paper that mm. was literally contingent upon whether or not they would get paid or not. Sure. And it just, I remember saying to the lawyer, like, this is insane. This is like, if he'd just done this and he was saying to me, Michelle, yeah, you're right, but that's mm. not the service lawyers provide. There's a place for that, but that's not the service lawyers provide. So I lasted about 12 weeks and <laughs> left, left that firm, um, went and started thinking about how can I help these subbies and it just sort of happened organically people just started calling me going can you help me with this can you help me with that and it's mm. all admin based stuff it's not mm. law it's not the law that will help no. you in the front end the no. front end will save you from the law in the back end if you use it yeah. properly there's a, there's a different way to um like for if you own a construction business if you're a subcontractor right and I, I please listen to this, this is important you can interpret drawings like anybody, right? And it's it's you know it's amazing skill set, right? But you have to be able to interpret a contract, right? You don't need to be a lawyer to interpret a contract. You need to be able to interpret the contract and what you have to do. You that's part of that's that's drawings, 
it's just it's just a different type right it's just here's here's a document you got to be able to do it and so once you can do it you're going to be so much better off because you're not going to get yourself into these these uh, situations because you understand what you're talking about mm-hmm. and we're seeing now a lot of our clients and we're 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 pushing we're like pushing back a lot and we're actually getting huge success and the reason is if you have if you understand uh, the, the contract and you're able to speak to the client and you can say hey look we need a rise and fall clause and they're like no no we don't and you're like well okay let's 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 just look right the last two years the price of steel went doubled right and so if you want us if that would put us out of business immediately right essentially we'd lose money to hand over fist and we don't have an escalation clause you can hold us to that and then we'll go out of business and then Okay, we can't do the work for you. So you're delayed. You get another contractor in, and his rate is going to have is going to be on top of the new price. So you're going to end up paying a fortune, right? So if we have rise and fall in the contract. We'll escalate the race. You'll actually we'll still be able to deliver the project, and like it'll work out for you guys. Real quick, and we'll get back to the show. If you don't have time or you don't necessarily have the expertise to review and negotiate your own construction contracts, please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, book in a call with our team, and we'll show you exactly how we can help you sign better contracts that have way less downside risk and set yourself up to make more profit on that project and ultimately keep you in business over the long term. It's what all the smart construction companies do. So go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. Now let's go back to the show. And so if you're able to have those type of conversations or you want to have a conversation about, um, you know, delivering steel to site and not getting paid for it until it gets installed and all of those little things, you can explain to them, hey, here is why um, and how it can affect you. Then people are like, oh, right. Because you said there in your in your story about the lawyers, um, they don't necessarily understand how construction companies work. Mm. And if you explain it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. And so many that seems reasonable conversations. And now, as we're recording this, tw- it's February 2023, the market has changed in that, the, the, the bigger construction companies and clients are looking at subcontractors going, the most important thing for me is that you can finish this work. You can do it, right? I'm less concerned about price anymore. I just need to make sure that you can do it, mm. which means that you can negotiate better terms. You can negotiate better prices and you this power has shifted. So if you have a good balance sheet and you're confident you can do the work, you can you can negotiate because it's not it's not the same anymore. They're concerned about, hey, yeah companies are going to go bust companies are going to have a business and that's our main concern yeah no it's so true and if it's not enough for anyone listening to know all the reasons why for your business health and success you should negotiate contract terms think about your responsibility to the industry if four out of five people are negotiating contract terms now and we can get five out of five people negotiating contract terms now it's no longer oh no we don't negotiate contract terms Eventually, the economic tide will turn, competition will return to the market, resourcing, you guys will be looking for work and cutting each other's throats on price again at some point. You need to gain ground now so that your starting point for these contract terms is so much better when that happens. And I completely agree with the understanding of what's in a contract. It's the same thing as if you get cookie cutter template notices and you don't look outside the notice to see what the contract says you have to put in the notice. You just use the same notice for every job, for every contract. 
Um, but same thing with and done for you contract reviews definitely have a place. But if you're if the person that is giving you a done for you contract review is not explaining to you what's in the contract, not asking you about the context of the job, not asking you about your business, not asking you about your suppliers and what their terms are and warranties and how you're going to make it all work. They're not actually giving you proper advice because they're not mm. giving you they're giving you advice based on what the clause says and whether they think black and white, the clause should stay or go but it needs mm. to be given in light of the context of what's actually happening. And so many people come to us after spending 20 grand with lawyers. And I, mm. I get a lot of flack for bagging out lawyers, obviously, because I am a lawyer, but uh, they'll come to us after spending 20 grand with the lawyer. And almost 80% of what the lawyer is trying to fight for is irrelevant to their trade. Oh, Never sorry. going to happen. Yeah. Not, even, no. not even in a stretch. And IP, IP. If sorry, yeah. like for example, why? Like what? Like sorry, what are you fighting for a massive IP for a civil company, right? Yeah. Unless they have a specific way to do it. What's this big argument? They don't have an issue, or whatever. Just let it through, yeah. right? And then rise and fall. If the contract is two months long or three months long, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, it's like exactly. there's no point fighting for that, you know? Yeah, and I mean like things like termination for convenience, but they're a lift subby they're supplying and installing a lift that they're building the building for your lift. Like yeah. by the time that it's never going to be convenient to terminate you. So yeah. all of those things, um, usually when you get somebody who comes to you and you go, wow, you can fix this for that much money. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, I can't believe I've spent 10 times that down the road. Mm -hmm. And you just sort of feel really bad for them. But I understand why subbies have been so deterred from negotiating contract terms because prior to everything shifting two to three years ago and people becoming a little bit more awake to needing to do it. I also think it's because the younger generations are more woke in a really good way and probably a little bit more educated about this stuff. And a lot of them are getting coaching from business coaches, which mm. you can, if you can get a really good business coach, I'm all for that because it will teach you to do these things and how to, how to get them done. But um, historically they would go to a lawyer pay money in trust, you'd go in there because the lawyers got to give you the worst possible outcome advice mm -hmm. all the time for their insurance, they will tell you not to sign it because you will never get given a building contract that is okay for you to sign as it is. So they'll mm -hmm. say, we have to advise you not to sign this contract. So now they've spent money estimating, money going to the post-tender meeting, money reading their contract themselves. Then they go to the lawyer and spend money with the lawyer just to go, oh, well, we can't take the job but they're not actually giving them a way to take the job that's safe mm -hmm. or at least commercially viable because there's a difference between getting a black and white advice about what's in a contract and making a commercial decision on risk. You make a commercial decision on risk based on all the variables, including the legal risk, mm -hmm. but also there's that commercial risk. There's do we have the money to bankroll this? Do I have the resources? Do we want to go on holidays in the middle of this contract? Like there's so mm -hmm. many things for a business owner to think about. Um, but look, I don't want to keep rambling because I think we'll probably have a four-hour podcast episode if we keep um, going. So I just wanted to say thank you very much. Can I think what we need to do before we sign off is explain to anyone listening what the differences between our businesses are and who is the right fit, fit for each business. So can you let me know who is your unicorn client and what is the service that you provide? So we um, essentially are we are um, a smart a smart contracts administration solution for construction companies. So we will only really deal with companies that have a revenue of more than five million. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, if you are if you're you've a process for uh, if your process internally 
for reviewing contracts and uh, um, maybe you have your PMs doing this as a side hustle, the contracts work as a side hustle, and then you don't have stra strategy, you don't know how to manage a dispute or avoid a dispute, that's when you would engage us and we would do all of that for you, okay? But we we will only deal with larger construction companies. Yeah, um, so commercial subbies working for commercial contractors? Um, when you say commercial, we, we, um, I, we, you know, it's just to be clear, we work in all the only, the only companies we wouldn't work with construction wise are residential, yes. uh, unless they're building a skyscraper uh, or like yeah. a block of apartments. So yeah. it'll be oil and gas mining, um, you know, proper uh, infrastructure, um, and, and commercial. But when I say commercial, I'm talking offices and apartment yeah. blocks and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so, and you're doing a done for you service, contract administration um, yep. service on retainer. So yeah, the difference between your business and our business tricks of your trade is we do a done with you service. So we have a membership based um, system where if you've got an admin person and typically, I mean, we will work with any subcontractor who wants to work with us. We don't base it on a revenue value, but we do find that if you at least have an admin person who can champion doing all those things, or if you have got a bookkeeper, a estimator, and an operations manager or project manager, you can split out who, who divvies up the responsibilities for those roles. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's basically it. But it's been so great to talk to you. And I just, I can't tell you enough how excited I am. And it's ridiculous. My husband was saying to me, is this your competitor? And I'm going, yeah, but there's so much need for this that, and I just want other businesses to pop up with the right values. That's, the, the one thing that is just so important is that um, because subbies have been suppressed for so long and mm. I mean it's, it's classic when you said to me oh, I was 13 and we were sweeping I'm thinking yes yeah, it's so quintessentially typical isn't it I was yeah. in there as an apprentice sweeping and you know the blue collar discrimination I think is it's I don't think it's ever going to be gone because of the hierarchical nature of the contract chain and mm -hmm. It, it is what it is, but um, just, just got to get smarter. We've got to get smarter. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, another bugbear in mind when they weren't gaslighting you about being the subby that would mark up the contract. The other thing they would say is, look, if they're dumb enough not to be able to do it right, subbies need to pull their socks up. They're, they're in business too. I'm like, yeah, but mm -hmm. every time they do pull their socks up and they get smart with you, you slap them back down and tell them to stop being contractual. So which is it? Do you want them to be really good at their business or do you want them to just shut up and get the job done? And then you'll just take what you want whenever you want from their business. So yeah. it, it gets me pretty riled up. Yes. All things considered that though today, um, I put uh, the construction industry is a $10.5 trillion industry um, and it's behind tech and it's behind um, finance and it's not going anywhere we'll always be constructing so there will it's as an industry it's a fantastic industry to be part of um one of the best moments i think in my construction career is being in a cabin in iraq um and there was a, a, a u.s guy there there was an irish guy there was scottish guys an australian guy i think there was like a lebanese guy and we're all in there um with george foreman um, and in, in, in Iraq, you can't eat pork. And there was bacon going, there was sausages going, there was everything. This, this cabin stunk. Like if you're, if you're a mile away, you could smell, you could smell the, the food coming out. So it is a great industry to be part of. Um, so all things considered, you just, 
subbies need to know now that the game is and and the problem is the game is happening whether you're playing it or not and so yeah. you need to understand the contracts game it's part of construction now and that's just the bottom line yeah it's totally true yeah well thank you again and uh i'm going to put your details in the show notes so anyone listening to this uh who wants to contact quantum contract solutions or kian by all means grab those details and get in get in contact and, and just one, if you, uh, we've got a podcast um, called Construction Secrets, and it essentially is all the failures and mistakes uh, that we've seen uh, time and time again from construction companies um, that they've had. So just by listening to it, you're hopefully um, be able to make sure those things don't happen to you. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you get educated. And then we have a website called constructionsecrets.io, and there's free training there for everybody. And then again, if you're over 5 million, you can go to quantumcontractsolutions.com and we've got a free case study there and you can you can check it out. There's eight construction companies and it's a video. Um, and if you're um, interested, uh, we could jump on a call and have a chat. Sounds amazing. Thank you again. Okay, thanks, Michelle.